Hi, everyone. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And I wanted to start off today with a recommendation. Okay, go for it. So I feel like every I've jumped on the van or whatever. What's the saying? I've jumped the bandwagon? Wagon. Yeah, <laughs> that. That's what I've jumped on. And it's the Colleen Hoover bandwagon. Her books are so fucking good. Okay, I need to give them a shot. The two that I read, the first one, It Ends With Us, is kind of like a spicy romantic book, but there's also like other stuff in it. I don't want to ruin it. And then the one I'm reading now is called Verity, V-E-R-I-T-Y. I'm sure a million people have already read it. I'm a little late to getting on the bandwagon, but it is so good. If you have not read it yet, you should. She's honestly a really good writer. Okay, I'm gonna have to jump on that then. I think the the first one you mentioned, you mentioned on the podcast before as a recommendation, right? Yes. And it, I, in my apartment complex, I'm like passing the book around to everybody that wants to read it. Everyone's like, I want to read that next. <gasps> uh, all right, I, I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have any recs you wanted to talk about? I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I've been watching Only Murders in the Building. I'm completely addicted. Really? Yeah, I finally hopped onto that. <laughs> okay, because it it was like a slow start for me, and I think I gave up. No, Timo and I love it. We've been pushing Big Sky aside and being like, okay, we want to watch Only Murders every single night. Really? Yeah, yeah, we are hooked. And okay. other than that, I did start a new podcast. The one that you had recommended, I already finished it. I binged it in a day of work. Betrayal? Yes oh my god so good isn't it good yeah it's so good and then there was another one that i had just started it's a spinoff of dateline called missing in america okay it's just very informative and touches upon cases that i had never heard of and it covers all cultures i love it cool okay i'm gonna have to check it out i think i mentioned this a while ago briefly but i wanted to bring it up again So about six months ago, I got a new job and I've had to take a backseat to a lot of the back scene, like the behind the scenes stuff with the the podcast. And Bryn has given me the chance to adjust to my new job. And I just think it's amazing that she was able to take over everything, pretty much everything and, you know, be able to keep our podcast going while I was adjusting. And I am just very thankful. Oh, thank you. No problem. I wasn't about to let this baby go. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think it deserved recognition because it is a lot of work and a lot went into it. So thank you. And I appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm glad that you're comfortable and in your groove now. Yes, I'm so much happier. And I moved, I told you guys that as well. And this new place is just like a whole lifestyle change. And I feel like I'm just, it's so much happier recently. So amazing amazing yes other than that I can't think of anything besides how my finger is fucking throbbing right now (laughs) (laughs) you know when you jam your nail yes yeah and when you jam an acrylic nail oh and your actual nail you feel snap underneath Ugh. Have you ever, like, ripped off, like, a whole nail? Yes. I, my half of my, I lost half of my nail, like, eight months ago. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I just, I told the nail lady, glue a new one over it. 
just glue into my skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, Oh my God. Jamie's it was going sad. to kill me. Jamie's going to kill me for saying this, but I have to say it. When we were younger, we always used to like joking, half serious, but like make inventions. I shit you not, Jamie's invent invention, and I don't even know if she knows that I remember this because I was little, was to permanently remove your fingernails so you can have these fake nails somehow glued. I don't remember what the idea was behind it, but glued or like stuck to your skin so you would never have to get your nails done again and they would never grow. And that was her. What? What? <laughs> She's going to kill me. Jamie um, and her inventions. Yeah, that was her invention. And I honestly, I don't think she knows if I even remember that, but I remember and it's fucking crazy. She was like something about how you like <laughs> nail it to your bone or something. I don't know. Insane. Oh god. oh, god. That sounds like a form of torture, not something enjoyable to get your nails done. <laughs> She's going to die when she hears this. Oh, God. Anything else? Or should we get into the coffee review since we have a little bit to talk about with them today? Yeah, I think we should do the coffee review. I'm excited. Okay. You can start this one off. Yeah, I'll start off with like their background, who they are, and then you can talk about where they're located. So today's coffee review is actually from a company called Buscardu Coffee and Baking Company. And they sent us, what, three bags to sample? Yes. So, so generous of them. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we're going to be obviously reviewing each one of them in different episodes. So today we'll be doing one, but we're excited to, you know, try their other coffees as well. Yeah, and this will be the episode where we do the big spiel. As you guys remember, we do the big spiel like one time and then we kind of just reference back to that episode. So I'm going to talk about their story because it's really cute and it's on their website. Their website is boosterdo.com, B-O-O-S-K-E-R-D-O-O.com. So Boosterdo Coffee and Baking Company started and continues to be the business that offers really, really delicious things from really, really nice people. That was our plan from day one. Here's our story. The first batch of Buscardu coffee was roasted in an oven in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City. I'm obsessed with that. I love this story. <laughs> Me too. It was a specialty-grade Columbia Excelso. Nothing fancy about it. I had read that coffee could theoretically be roasted on a pizza pan, one of those pans with holes in it, in an oven cranked up to 450. I also read it would get smoky, so I gave it a shot. It wasn't that smoky, not until the very end when our entire apartment flooded with smoke. <laughs> we opened all the windows and cooled the beans as quickly as the November air would allow. We laughed and coughed hysterically until the smoke cleared. Then we let the coffee rest for 24 hours, the standard time all coffee should rest before consumption. I'm obsessed. This is so funny. When brewed the coffee and drank it, it's, it was the best cup we've ever had. It was fresh. That was the big difference. I obsessed over finding fresh coffee. But even in New York City, it was hard to find. I realized that serving only fresh coffee to retail and wholesale clients was a niche in a specialty food world that needed to be filled. So we said, screw it. Let's start a coffee roasting business. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Right? Boost was officially born. In 2011, we moved to the beach and opened a coffee shop with a roaster on the retail floor in Jersey Shore town of Monmouth Beach. We always roasted in order to make sure that all coffee in the shop was never more than seven days old. It usually gets only a few days away from its roast. 
The residents of Monmouth Beach and those of their surrounding communities took to Buscardu Coffee quickly, and we went from there. We started our wholesale program and worked to put Buscardu Coffee into as many hands as possible. In December 2012, Amelia started working in the bakery. Her culinary education and obsession to detail guided her to create bakery items steeped in tradition and new ideas. We opened our second cafe and bakery in Fairhaven in the spring of 2013. The Buscardu retail experience truly blossomed with this element added. And it keeps going on for a little while, so I'm going to stop it there. But I just love this story and how how cute it is that how it started. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how the best things are created. Yeah. You hear of businesses starting in a garage in a one-bedroom apartment in New York. I love mm-hmm. that. And just jumping into something that you knew you were meant to do or something that you knew you could possibly do better. Right. You know, and just I mean- going for it. I love it. So their Instagram is Boosterdo, spelt how Kelsey spelt it. And they have locations now in Asbury Park, Red Bank, Bellworks, Bronxville, Fairhaven, and Monmouth Beach. And they're coming to Ardsley, New York in September. So they have a lot of locations. That's a lot of fucking locations. And I'm so happy that they're doing so amazing after hearing their story, especially. Yeah, it's incredible. I had heard of them before, and I'm pretty sure I've been to one of their cafes in Asbury Park, and that's how I had found them on Instagram, and then they were just so kind to send us stuff. So sweet. I love it. Do you want to talk about the coffee that we're reviewing today? Yeah, so the coffee that we're reviewing from them today, and as we said, there will be more, we're reviewing their After Dark Blend. It is a dark roast, and the notes in this roast are dark chocolate, smoke, and it says jaw tingling. And then what I love so much about their bags, too, it says things to pair this coffee with. And this one says pair with spontaneous tattoos and mystery novels. Like what? That is the most perfect thing to put on a coffee bag. Yeah, and could it describe us any better? (laughs) <laughs> literally literally how fucking like cool. i might as well carry this bag of coffee with me everywhere right to when we go get our spontaneous tattoos reading our mystery novels <laughs> <laughs> so cute i love it i love it so much so what are you thinking of this coffee i really like this i think i'm turning to the dark side officially and i like dark coffees better it, it is what it is it's just such a difference to taste a coffee a roasted coffee from a roaster rather than the store-bought shit that's been on the shelves for months and months and months it's so different agreed call me Voldemort because I'm on the same page (laughs) I love this dark roast I love it I'm drinking it black me too oh my god Uh, that's so weird I put like a little drip of almond milk or almond creamer or whatever but yeah. only after I drank a big portion of it black yeah I'm drinking it completely black it's so delicious good. what it's are you so tasting note wise I definitely taste the little bit of sweetness from the dark chocolate portion and I don't necessarily taste the smoky note but I don't think that's a bad thing anytime we've had coffees with smoky notes before I feel like it almost tastes like a barbecue <laughs> 
<laughs> and I don't love that, but I don't taste that at all in this one. I, I honestly taste the dark chocolate note. I'm getting kind of a balance of it. I do taste the smoky side of it, but it's not like you've described being barbecue-y in the past. <laughs> it's more so woodsy, if that yeah. makes sense. I'm not going to say cedar and describe a specific tree, but... It's woody. Yeah, and it's in the aftertaste, kind yeah. of. As yeah. you're finishing your sip is when I'm when I'm getting it. Yeah, honestly... This is a really fucking good cup of coffee and I've missed how good freshly roasted and ground coffee is because I just ground it before I drank it. Same. And I'm loving that we're back on our same coffee, local coffee shop kick. Agreed. 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 Fuck big business, right? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Starbucks. (laughs) Just kidding. I still go. Don't come at us. Don't come at us. Just kidding. I go to Starbucks a lot, so. Yeah, I'll probably pop in there in two days. Right? I'm just kidding. I'm back. (laughs) So what would you rate this coffee? Oh, gosh. Okay. Or should we do our rating on three? Oh, no. If we do our rating on three, we might glitch out because we're recording separately. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk over each other. So I'm going to do 8.5. I was going to do the same thing. Really fucking good. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, and their shops look amazing, guys. They're all over New Jersey. So if you're in any of those six places that we mentioned, check them out. And I, I'm going to check them out as well. I have not been. Yeah. Thank you, Buskardu. We love you. We cannot wait to try the other two blends you've sent us. Very excited. Yes. Are Without further ado, should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's case was suggested by Dawn. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you, Dawn. A little bit of background. This case is about Samantha Joanne Lang. Her nickname was Sam, and she was born January 17th, 1985. Her mom's name is Carol, and her dad's name is James. She also had two brothers, one named James III, which was her brother from her mom, Carol, and James, so they share the same parents. Her brother, Jacob, was from her mom's second marriage, and she has a sister, Rachel. Her parents divorced in 1999, and she lived in Derry Township, PA. This is in Westmoreland County. And this was the same county as Drew Molinari's case. Samantha had brown hair and brown eyes and was 22 years old at the time of this story. She was described as funny and kind, outgoing, and her favorite holiday was Easter, which I feel like you don't hear too often. Yeah, I feel like that's not a very common one, but I love it. Yeah, same. She would go months in advance to buy candy and toys for the egg hunts and Easter baskets. And she loved taking care of her little brother and nieces and nephews and found happiness in seeing them happy. She went as far as even joining the PTO at their elementary school because she wanted to be with the kids and help the kids. Oh my god, best aunt ever. How cute. For real though, I have goosebumps talking about it because I know how much I love my niece Mm -hmm. and you know how much you love her as well and 
the fact that she loved her nieces and nephews and her little brother so much that she's not a parent and she joined the PTO. That's just, that's what she did with her time. So sweet. I love yeah. that. In 2004, Samantha graduated from Greater Latrobe High School. At some point, she worked in lawn and garden department at Walmart. And she had been taking classes at the Western School of Business in Monroeville. And she wanted to become a paralegal. So that's why she was taking the classes there. Samantha had just started a new job at Laurel Nursery and Garden Center in Latrobe, PA. Her mom, Carol, and in a news conference with Westmoreland County District Attorney Nicole Ziccarelli, stated this about Samantha, quote, she was a great kid. If you met her once, you couldn't forget her. Her smile, her laugh. I mean, you knew she was coming before you'd even seen her. She was contagious. I love that. That's such a beautiful description. It really is. And like, you can get a picture of how she was just from that description. Exactly. I could picture her like entering a room and just being drawn to her. I feel like people like that, are just so nice to be around they just move on like a higher vibration yeah and you want to be around them for your own benefits even mm-hmm. so moving on to monday march 26 2007 around 10 p.m this is the last time samantha was seen alive there were no further details regarding where or by whom but that was the time march 27 2007 which is the next day Samantha's father owned a home on Route 982. Police said that this home was known for drug activity. And this it was described this way in court papers. So that's not just, you know, saying it from like an article. Around 9 p.m., a family friend stopped by the house and found a gruesome scene. Samantha was found murdered. She was in between the kitchen and the living room. Her throat had been slit. Her cell phone was near her body and the house had been completely ransacked. I can't even imagine A going with she got she went through and B coming and finding the scene like this. No, that's absolutely beyond awful. And we probably should have given a trigger warning. Yeah, I, I that is oh my god. I can't imagine what she went through and what her family went through. The the family friend that found her probably has PTSD to this day it that's just so beyond awful like you hear about these things in movies and then you never think it'll happen to you not that it's happened to me by any means but we we talk about this week after week on every episode and it's just it doesn't make it any easier to imagine what these people have gone through no so back to how the house was found a back door had been forced open and there was a gray metal safe that was left on the bed Police noticed that there was also a, quote, strong odor of marijuana in the house. And that was a quote from triblive.com. On the back porch, police found a metal lockbox. No weapon was found at the scene. So it kind of sounds like it was like a robbery. Yeah. Someone kicked in the door and forced their way in and yeah, just took, took whatever they could find or took what they went in for. Mm -hmm. investigators determined that her death had occurred sometime between 10 p.m on the 26th and 9 p.m on the 27th when she was found so basically between the last time she was seen and when she was found 
At the time of Samantha's death, her father, James Lang, and her older brother, James Lang III, were both incarcerated at Westmoreland County Prison. Most articles mentioned that Samantha lived at this home with her father and brother, although both men weren't present in the home at that time. True crime podcast, Bitter Endings, mentioned that she had read some conflicting information that Samantha potentially lived with her mom during this time and was just making frequent house checks at her dad's house since her brother and dad were incarcerated. Which would also make sense. Yeah, of why she would be there. Right. Most information seems to back up that Samantha was living in her father's home. Moving on to the aftermath of after Samantha was found. Samantha Lang was buried in St. Joseph's Cemetery in Derry. April 2007, which was weeks after she died, Samantha was supposed to be the maid of honor in her sister Rachel's wedding. I don't even know how her family and her sister were able to take those steps forward to continue on with this wedding. Yeah, I mean, everybody grieves in a different way. And I think that maybe their way, I'm not trying to put words in their mouth, was like, she would want it to happen. It's its going to happen anyway. And right. let's make the best of it. I, I just can't, I can't even imagine how hard that would have been. I mean, I didn't have my mom at my wedding and it was six years after the fact, let alone yeah. a couple of weeks. Bless them for being able to even function to be able to not move forward at that point obviously but be able to even take those steps to have that happen you know what I mean right that's just I I can't imagine what they went through Rachel put Samantha's favorite flower which were Gerber daisies where Samantha would have stood which is beyond beautiful and Samantha was definitely there with her I have tears and just thinking about this. I can't help but to put myself in these people's shoes. And it's, I mean, not that I could ever imagine what they went through, but it's just so sad. Over the years, police have received tips, but none have been solid enough to make any arrests. They have not released names, but have some theories. And one is that it may be linked to the drug activity going on in the home. Mm -hmm. Possibly someone or multiple people going there for drugs or money. Another theory is that she was murdered in retaliation for something. Some believe that multiple people may know who did this or know more about what happened but are afraid to come forward, which I understand if people are fearful for their own well-being, but if if anyone's listening who does have information, you can report anonymously. No one has to know that it's you. 100% anonymous. Yeah. I just feel like if anyone has any kind of information regarding this case, it needs to be brought forward because this family needs to have a little bit of justice for what happened to her and Samantha needs the justice as well. It's just, it was so brutal that alone, you can't give justice for that, the proper justice, you know, but I feel like knowing who did this will give the family at least a little bit of something. Maybe a little bit of closure or something. Yeah. Just a quick side note. If you keep hearing sighing in the background, it's my dog. It's not me. Also, I'm not on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like.
like my computer is about to take off for liftoff. It's like <laughs> really overheating today. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I so just keep hearing of- her sighing next to me. And I'm like, oh my God, these people are going to think I'm bored with this story, which is absolutely <laughs> not the case. But she's sleeping and keeps sighing. Oh, so we both have issues over here. Yes. It basically sounds like we're on a plane and there's a woman next to us really annoyed that we're recording a podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. So there is a reward for information leading to an arrest. In 2012, the reward was increased from $5,000 to $20,000. Wow. During this time, the police, quote unquote, received an influx of tips. And that was a quote from WTAE.com. In 2014, and this is beyond incredible, props to whoever did this. I wish I could do something like this. Right? Yeah. In 2014, an anonymous donor increased the reward to $50,000, which has since expired. But that is incredible. I'd like to think that if I was rich, I would do stuff like that. Same. That is literally where I would put my money. Yeah. As of 2022, there is a reward of $10,000 through Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers. So still a reward if you if anybody knows anything. Mm-hmm. In 2014, Samantha's family had psychics go to the crime scene hoping for a break in the case. Also in 2014, Samantha's father, James, was rearrested. So this is kind of just giving you guys a little update on what's happening as of somewhat recently. In 2016, Samantha's sister, Rachel, unfortunately died at the age of 37 years old. Mm. In 2017, Samantha's younger brother, Jacob, also died at the age of 17. Like, what is this tragedy? My heart goes out to her mom and this family because this poor mother not only lost her child in the most brutal way she then lost two of her other children horrifying it's such young ages yeah in 2018 samantha's family and police made a public statement asking for help with the case and saying quote it was still being actively investigated and that a lot of information had been gathered and that was a triblive.com quote in 2020 samantha's dad james died at age 62 March marked 15 years since Samantha was murdered, and her case still remains unsolved. So please, please, if you have any information regarding the murder of Samantha Lang, you can call the state police at 724-832-3288 or Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers at 1-800-4-PA-TIPS. We will post those on our show notes and our Facebook as always, but I just, I I really feel for this family. And if there's anybody out there that knows even maybe something that can help with this case, just please, please report it. Yeah, I, we've said it in other episodes and Laura says it in our episodes with her that it's just one little puzzle piece that could put this entire thing together and I I watched an interview that her mom gave as well with the district attorney and her mom said the same thing all it takes is one little thing and you might think that it's something stupid or something that doesn't matter but what's the harm in telling someone right that little thing could open up so many different doors and help 
figure out so many things about a case and missing information. It's just, it's worth it if you know something. Yeah. And I want to make a point to say that for a future episode, we're going to reach out to Samantha's mom. I really want to do an maybe like an update episode where we can give a little more background information on Samantha and the person she was before all this happened because I just felt like there was a lacking online in regards to that. And I don't know if that's by choice of the family or not, but I would really love for her story, like more of her story to be told. Yeah, agreed. That's a good idea. Yeah. And thank you again to Dawn, who is Drew Molinari's mom, for recommending this case. She, like we mentioned, this was in the same county where Drew was murdered, and she was the one who brought this case to our attention. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dawn, for mentioning this case to us and for bringing it to our attention so we can talk about it. So we do have another case that we're going to get into since this one was a shorter one with the information we could find. And the second case is also a shorter one with the information we can find. This second case was also included in the newly released news article where Dawn was interviewed. And we had actually posted that on our Facebook page. If you guys haven't read it yet, please check it out. This article just came out like two weeks ago. By the time this episode comes out, maybe it'll be three or four weeks ago. And Dawn did a interview regarding Drew. And then there were other cases within that area mentioned in the article as well, including Samantha's case and the case we're about to talk about. So please check out that article. The next case that we're going to talk about is that of Kelly Nicole Godfrey Smith. She was 27 years old at the time of this story and was living in a home in Brackenridge, PA. Her mom's name is Karen Godfrey and her dad is John Godfrey. She had a son, Mason, who was four years old at the time of the story. She graduated from Highlands High School in 1998 and then from Bradford's Business School. She was married to Jason Smith, but separated at the time of this story. And at that time, Kelly wasn't living with her husband. One report said they had separated after a miscarriage, which is so unfortunate. That breaks my heart. She was living in the Brackenridge home with her boyfriend, Chad Stroop, and her son, Mason. She had known Chad in high school, They had reunited and then began dating. Her mom, Karen, felt some concern towards this and thought they were kind of moving quickly. She said they hadn't been dating long when he quit his job and moved from Indiana to PA. Wow. She was known as a friend to everyone and described as gregarious by family and friends. Kelly was also known to be extremely likable, and she was always smiling and having a good time. Oh, So she seemed like just like a really upbeat person. Yeah, lots of good things that are said about her. June 14th, 2007. Early that morning, Kelly got into an argument with her boyfriend, Chad, and around 2 a.m., Kelly's husband, Jason, received a phone call from her. Remember, this is her husband that she wasn't with anymore. Regarding the phone call, Jason said, quote, she said, what are you doing? And it sounded like the phone cut off. I said, I'm sleeping. And then it sounds like the phone cut off. 
And that was a quote from WPXI.com. So really weird to get like a phone call at 2am saying, what are you doing? Yeah, I almost wonder, I wish we had a way to ask him. When I read that, I instantly thought, was the what are you doing asking him like, what are you, hey, what are you doing? Or was the what are you doing like she called him and she was saying to someone else, what are you doing? Yeah, like, and he caught that part of the conversation and then it just cut off. Right. Right. I know. I want to know the context of that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this was the last time Jason spoke to Kelly. Kelly did not show up to drop off their son. So Jason and Kelly's mom, Karen, both tried calling her phone because this was out of character. Karen eventually got in contact with Chad, who was Kelly's boyfriend at the time. And he said that they had an argument and that Kelly, quote unquote, took off. Red flags. Yeah, red flags. And that's one side of the story, but red flags. Around 12 p.m., a pair of fishermen unfortunately found Kelly's body in the Allegheny River in Lower Burl, which is another horrifying scene to come upon. Mm-hmm. This is all a quote from Karen, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Quote, then the doorbell rang, and there was Clark and the detectives, and the Allegheny County detectives. And then, then they started interviewing us, like, one at a time, and... So that was that night. It was horrible. And you never expect that in your wildest, wildest dreams. You see it in movies, you know, you just don't expect that it's going to happen to you. Oh, God. I just, you can't help but feel the pain that she felt in that moment. There's just no words. There's no words. And we we say this all, we say this in like every episode, but it's true. I wish we had no content for this podcast. Honestly. Because the reason I do this is because we feel like it needs to be talked about because these people are A, not talked about, or B, this case is still not solved. Mm hmm. And they deserve their stories to be told. Yeah. But it's awful that this had to happen to them. And that their families have to endure this pain. Horrible. Where she was found was said to be a party spot for teenagers, but it's unknown how she got there. Her death was then ruled a homicide. This is a really sad side note, but it speaks to her character, so I threw it in there. If Kelly would have made it home that night, she would have gotten the message from her current employer offering her double pay and added benefits. Oh, my God. My heart just breaks when I hear that. I mean, she obviously knows now, but, like, she never got to get that message and that validation that she was doing so great at her work that they were able to do that for her. That's just... It's so sad. It's just not right. It's just not right. I I wish I could say more than that and give the appropriate verbiage for it, but... I feel like the people whose stories we tell, they just deserve so much more than this. And the people who take their lives from them, I I don't, I just don't understand. It just, I, I'm glad I can't comprehend it, but I can't comprehend it. Right. Father's Day 2007, Kelly's funeral was held. Allegedly, Chad, her boyfriend that she got into an argument with the night that she died, 
said that he would meet the officers after the funeral to speak with them, but he left the state. Red flag. Yeah. Come on. He, if he's not guilty, he's making himself look guilty. Right. That's sketchy. Yeah. He was found in Texas by law enforcement officers, but he was never named a suspect, which I would like to know how they cleared him. Right. Like, it almost makes you think he has a really solid alibi, but I don't know. Yeah, but what could it possibly be that's so solid if he was with her that night, they got into an argument, admittedly, and he was last person to possibly see her who was with him that could validate where he was that it was so solid right i just wish we had more information on that agreed kelly's family wishes he was investigated further since he was the last to have seen their daughter kelly was buried in saint mary's cemetery in lower burl moving on to some aftermath there is currently a twenty thousand dollar reward for information that can help kelly's case Sporadic tips were received, but there are still no suspects in this case. Wow. Westmoreland County District Attorney Nicole Ziccarelli, who just took office in January, told Target 11 that she is taking a new look at this old case. I feel like this this new DA is really making moves, and I'm loving it. Same. I'm here for it. Yeah. This is a quote from Ziccarelli. Quote, We are taking a fresh look at the facts and evidence we have at this time and have added detectives and prosecutors to the investigative team. There still remains a person or people of interest in the case, but we need additional information to move forward with charges. Ziccarelli also urged anyone with information about the case to come forward. I'm just going to say I'm really liking her. I do too. And the interview that I watched with Samantha Lang's mom, she speaks in it, Nicole Ziccarelli. And mm-hmm. she, you could tell she is paying attention and really reading the information that is given to her about these cases. Right. Some quotes that really hit on how Kelly's family are today. This is a quote from Karen, which is Kelly's mom. Quote, It's hard for me to keep that hope alive, Karen Godfrey said. My feeling is that if 30 years goes by and this person lived their life, to me, that's not justice. The longer the time goes on, it's harder for me to believe they're serving justice or they even have a conscience. I think that quote is so important because it's so true. 30 years goes by of this person's life and they got to live 30 more years than Kelly did. Yeah, and clearly not caring at all. Right. Right. Kelly's son is now 18 years old, which is just so heartbreaking that he has had to live all these years without his mom there and she was taken in the most brutal way. Yeah, thank God he has Kelly's parents, but yeah, it's so horrible. So he's now 18 years old, and Karen says, quote, He has the best outlook of all. He knows nothing can bring her back, she said. He doesn't like that my husband and I remain so sad about it, and he wishes we could find some peace. Oh, my God. That is just heartbreaking. It really is. And I'm glad that he has the support system he has, but I'm also glad her parents have him as a support system. 
Right. And that leads into this next quote. And this is another quote from Karen. Quote, he looks like her, acts like her. He's a wonderful, wonderful kid, she said. That gives us some peace. Other than that, you never do find it. There's no coming back from this. And of course, they were talking about Kelly's son, Mason, being so much like Kelly. It's so sad. It's 14 years and we're still getting cards from friends on the anniversary of her death, she said. I do believe her memory is very much alive in the community. That is amazing. Oh my god, what a beautiful support system they have. Honestly, as time goes on, like grief does not get easier. You just grow and learn to deal with it. And that's so amazing that, that the community was able to, to come together with for them. That's so important. Yeah. That is so important. I feel like even more so as the years pass because no one wants to feel like their loved one was forgotten. Right. Especially after something so horrific and so... Mm-hmm like unsettling they have no idea they have no answers Mm -hmm. karen godfrey said she believes some of her daughter's friends have the knowledge that could help get justice after 14 years she said there's no reason to withhold information that can bring comfort to a family still grieving and that's so fucking true Mm -hmm. like it's been so long if you know something what is holding on to it gonna do you know Mm mm-hmm I think that Karen has a way with words and just makes you understand exactly the point that is to come across. Right. Agreed. She's very good at articulating. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, anyone who has information regarding this investigation, they are urged to call the Lower Borough Police Department at 4287 and again we will put those in the show notes and on our facebook page but please please if you know anything just call that number and you can report it anonymously also we're going to include that news article again in our resources that include drew samantha and kelly among others so please check that article out yeah it's just so sad that we're literally scraping the tip of an iceberg of all of these cases that have gone untalked about or they don't make the big media coverage and they don't get the proper investigations and it's just so sad and that's part of the reason why we try to do this podcast but it it's heartbreaking it really is and i wish i wish there was more we could do and That we had a whole team of like 50 people to do deeper investigative things and that we could get even more information and help in even bigger ways because I feel like we do what we can, but like you said, it's still just the tip of the iceberg. There's just so much more that could be done for all of these people and their families. And it definitely starts with talking and sharing the news, so... Please talk about these cases, share our podcast, not for our benefit, but for these families. Exactly. And anything else or should we end with our spiel? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Nothing else is new in my life. So I think we should end with our spiel. (laughs) Okay. Get it going, girl. 
All right. So you can find us on Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post weekly pictures of, you know, our cases. And then also in our bio, we have our link to our link tree, which is where all of our listening platforms are for the podcast. So check that out. Just a quick reminder, we haven't mentioned in a while as well. We still do have merch available. So if you are so inclined to check out our merch, it's on our Instagram as well. You can also find us on Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee. We post our weekly resources and photos from every case and any coffee links or anything that we have talked about in the episode that we were going to mention. You are in my head because I was literally going to post a story tonight about our merch. (laughs) What? Actually, as we were recording, and this is what reminded me, one of my friends messaged me and she goes, wait, I need a mug. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, because not only do we have mugs left, but I was going to repost our tanks and stuff because summer's almost over, bitches. Yeah. So get those fucking tanks and put them underneath your flannels for fall. Yeah, and we have t-shirts, we have crop tops, we have stickers and stuff. And so, stuff. And stuff. So, yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm going to do that as soon as we're done recording. I'm going to make a little posty. A little posty post. So, aside from the merch, if you have any listener stories or case suggestions, please reach out to us. You can DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram. Or send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, the best way to let us know and to help our podcast out is to leave us a five-star rating or a rating of your choice and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a review, you'll also get free stickers. Some of them are really cool. They're holographic. I actually have to send my brother one. He goes, I need a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has to leave us a review. True, true. <laughs> Just kidding, Mike, but please do. And <laughs> and if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can follow, you can like, you can subscribe on any listening platform of your choice. That will let you know when our podcast episode comes out each week. Yes. So that is our spiel. You've heard it. Now go do all those things and we'll see you next week (laughs) i wonder if people actually still tune in for the spiel or if they're like i know this by now skip 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 honestly i really fucking hope let us know if you listen to our spiel (laughs) yeah because otherwise why are we doing this every week (laughs) they're like these bitches talk too much yeah (laughs) all right love you guys bye guys love you bye regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook